It's a whole different thing. And it's like it's like it's like everybody uses it over there. Here is like a say that you could get like viciously attacked. Right. <laughs> right. But here you say fanny, it means absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah. And, and there it's it's a little more Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. And it's not so much that you're gonna get punched, yes. but it, it does have a heavier inflection. And you also have to be very careful when you hold up two fingers to indicate the number two that your your hand sure. is facing forward yes. and not backwards. See <laughs> See, we acclimate to the British Empire. Indeed. Because <laughs> if they're going to leave Europe, I say we join it. <laughs> join Europe? Yes. Oh, okay. So that that way we could at least maybe get some health care. Or... It was funny. They uh, they left Europe at just the right time because we can't go to Europe. <laughs> right. But we can we can go to the UK. Sure, sure. You know, we just have to sit in a in a room for two weeks. For two yeah. weeks, yeah. <laughs> get You're right. We could technically you can go to UK. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you won't do anything while you're there. Yep. Stay wow. in your hotel room for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, then. Eat a lot of room service. There's <laughs> worse things that could happen. Be the most expensive trip you've ever took. Right? <laughs> I, I, I spent a lot of money and I saw nothing. Yep. No, the government pays for that. <laughs> it's a socialist country, didn't you know? Well, you know what? If you don't stay in London, you're in much better shape. England, England is a much more affordable vacation if you stay the fuck out of London. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll stay at Chris's place. Yes, he won't mind at all. No, I, I, in fact, I just will have to pay him a couple of a uh, couple of name tags in Minecraft, and we could probably go for two weeks. <laughs> I, right, Chris? I think that's all you really really need right now. He he he, <laughs> he sent me a picture on Twitter because I've had a plot of land in Minecraft that I've, I've promised to open up a saddle and name tag shop since before it was, it was when it was just me, Deb and Barry on that. <laughs> and, and so now he's sending me a picture of that sign saying the store's coming. That's been up there for a month and a half. Ah. And he's like, I'm waiting on name tags. So, okay, I'll get it done. Hi folks. Welcome to geek shock. Number five forty five. I am master Torgo. 80s. Jeff commander K. And we're here to talk week and geek. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's been a rough week. I'm not going to lie. It's, um, everything that's happened has just compounded into a massive ball of, uh, unending and un- barely manageable stress. Uh, so I, I'm, I've officially have, uh, uh I'm going to go see a therapist for it so anybody who's who wow out there is dealing with it and it's getting get a bit bit too much it's okay to seek help i'm gonna seek help because it's some things just become overwhelming over time it's okay to say you're not okay yeah exactly and i'm not okay i'm i'm fully willing to admit it and so if you're out there feeling that way it's okay and if you need to seek help there are people out there that that's what they are there for, whether it's friend or in a more professional capacity. Like a hooker. But I did uh, find a few moments to do a few geeky things this week, so we'll open that one up. What geeky things you do this week, gentlemen? I had it on the tip of my tongue, and now my mind just went blank. (laughs) That's all right. I'll start. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, One, I I think I logged on to the Minecraft server for a total of like uh, 45 minutes to an hour all week. Oh, wow. So, yeah, didn't really touch it at all that's that's the kind of rough week has been that minecraft couldn't help 
Uh, but I did play another digital board game this week. Oh. Uh, one that is uh, very popular in the board game circles, considered a classic in modern board gaming. Really? A game called Splendor. Splendor. Yes. Uh, the board game fanatics out there probably did know you, it. Did you play in the grass? Very, yeah. Uh-huh. I did, did not. Um, <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that, Jeff. I did. I gave you that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best you can ask for. That is, that is the Jeff seal of approval. Yeah. <laughs> If you get nothing from me, Kirsten, <laughs> you know it's a bomb. <laughs> uh, but it's a very, very puzzle-esque game. Very European in the fact that it's not you're not attacking other people. You are kind of playing the board and trying to get to po- points Passive before the rest. Socialists. Before the rest of everybody. It's kind of based on uh, gem trading in, uh, I believe, in about the 1200s. There's always some weird theme with Euro gaming on it, uh, but it's it's about buying and selling gems basically. But it's it's a puzzle game and it works really well uh, as a single player game because there is because of its nature and how it's built, where you're using these tokens that represent gems to buy cards, which increase your buying power in order to get points and impress nobles. And if you you impress nobles by getting a certain amount of points in one of the five colors of gemstones and uh, first person of 15 points wins. Uh, But the single player game, which was on sale on steam uh, a little while back. And that's where I picked this up. It's like two, two fifty. That also has kind of like just single player puzzles using the game mechanics that would be, you could set it up if you had the board game, but it's a lot easier and faster doing it this way. Uh, so I can't recommend Splendor at the board game itself as a single player experience, but I can recommend the digital version of the game as a single player experience. The AI is really good um, and and challenging. Uh, I, I on a two-player game, I, I win most of the time. But on a three-player game against AI, I win probably about one-third of the time. So it's 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 a good challenge. Hmm. Uh, I haven't played against anybody on it yet as far as uh, w- uh, like actual person. Uh, but I did finally get to play Lords of Waterdeep against somebody this week. Oh, what? Yeah. I found a sucker. Who? Yeah, it turns out that Barry is a big fan of Barry. the game, and he had it. So he was like, hey, hit me up, and we'll play some Lords of Waterdeep. All right. And so I was like, okay, you know what? Something, you know, not Minecraft, one-on-one versus Barry. Let's let's put these skills to the test. And I have to say, Barry is excellent at that game. That game was a cutthroat game. Oh, yeah? One-on-one. He beat you? I, you know what? I wasn't going to say. I was going to say it was a very close game. I was going to say that it was a very high-scoring game, the highest-scoring game I've played. Period. Oh, uh, on both for both of us. Oh, I, I mean, the loser, Barry. Oh, oh shit! I I let it out. I didn't <laughs> what? realize what? it. Um, oh, by the way, he says you need to get bent. <laughs> Yeah, apparently he posted it. I wasn't going to even say really who, who won or lost, but Barry opened up that can of worms. Yeah, uh, he always takes the fun out of your your victories when he just goes. It's like, guess what? I lost. You, you know what? No, that that does just the opposite. Thank you very much. That 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 chuffs me a little bit. I'm I'm all right. All right. Uh, so it was a lot of fun, uh, and I look forward to more games of it. And if any of you out there play Lords of Waterdeep uh, digitally. Um, you know, hit me up on Twitter and then maybe we can arrange a game or something. So, cause it's, it's, it's fun. And, and it turns out I was wrong about one thing on the online game on how it's set up that, cause I was like, 
30 minutes is your how much time you have to take a turn right i was i was like that's way too long you're going to take forever no that's a shot that's a that's a time clock like you get in chess so that means you have 30 minutes total to decide for your entire game oh. so once it's your turn that clock starts time starts off then you basically when your turn ends the clock timer ticks down for the next person oh so so those 30 minute games are actually kind of quick games oh wow ah. so so i was that so i clarify that from last week so mm-hmm. it's an actual 30 minute game versus a 30 minute game that takes three hours uh t- technically <laughs> if you're two people each person has 30 minutes so, oh so about an hour so it could be an hour but okay. i think the game probably lasted 20 minutes oh okay uh which when you normally play at an actual sit down of this game with people it takes about an hour hour and a half to play so so i always love in the instructions when it says game time of 30 approximately 30 to 45 minutes and like two and a half hours later you're like jesus we're still fucking playing this right. game who chose twilight imperium <laughs> um so yeah so or was, risk so God splendor uh, a really good game especially if you find it cheap on steam because it goes on sale i've seen a couple times so highly recommend it and i also recommend it in the board game style uh it's it's a great, I think it's a great introductory board game for people. Like Catan is a good way to introduce people to a European style board game. Uh, Pandemic's a good good way to bring people into a cooperative board game element. Uh, this is also a really good uh, kind of Euro game to start somebody with, mm-hmm. because once you have the mechanics down, it's it becomes very internalized. It's something when you look at it, you're like, oh, this looks like it's going to be confusing and frankly, no fun. When you look at it, it doesn't look like the most exciting game on the planet. But once you've gone through a tutorial on how to play it and you've gone through one game, you're like, oh, that's how it plays. And then it's one of those easy to learn, hard to master kind of things, especially when there there are multiple strategies to winning. So, Yeah. Splendor's great, and of course, again, Lords of Waterdeep, amazing. What else you do, guys? Or what did you do, guys? Because I've just bogarted this mic this whole time. So my fine. goodness, oh, that's fine. I watched the most recent episodes of both uh, Perry Mason and um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. So that okay. those are both both keeping my attention. Enjoyed both of those. Did you find your uh, enjoyment uh, at the same level, higher or lower? Now that you're further along. Uh, same level. Okay. So yeah, it's 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 gripped me both of them. So it's it's uh it's something I can if they can maintain that same level of engagement, I think it's uh it's gonna they're both gonna have both great seasons. Although I'll be gone in the dark is a limited limited documentary. So I mean when it's, it's done, six it's episodes, done. Right? Yeah. Okay. yeah. If I'm not mistaken, and this is episode two. I also finally got to see Jumanji the next level. Which was the uh, the sequel to Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle from a couple years ago? All right, and you uh, know, I I know I mentioned on the show before I I really enjoyed that take on Jumanji where they make it a a video game and there's a lot of video game elements in it. The sequel was just as good. Okay, I, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I got to um, go down that path. Maybe after I finally see jo- John Wick and Enemy Mine and The River. Well, you got access to Max now. Half of what you just said is in there. And (laughs) Wizard of Gore and Masters of the Universe. Wizard of Gore. Oh, (laughs) Kroll. Such a beautiful, twisted 80s movie. Um, And then I also got to see uh, an anime. I hadn't watched an anime in a while, and I watched one called uh, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. 
Oh. Which is, uh, it's actually a really good little, um, it's about two hours long. So a single movie. Yeah, single movie. The plot is this this girl who's chronically late for everything. There's an accident. She discovers she has the ability to leap through time, like physically leap. Like you have to run and jump and um, she's, that, that she, rules me out, and and it's it's ironic too because she's kind yeah. of klutzy. So like when she actually does travel through time, you know she goes tumbling around. Is her, is her name Andrea? <laughs> it could be, <laughs> but uh, I hesitate to say too much more because I don't want to give away the rest of the story. But it's, you, you it's don't a lot have of fun. to because because of Kay, I've already cast Andy in the role, <laughs> and it's already messed up the whole visual. Yeah. Well, see, I thought he said Andrea, so you know. well, it, that's it's why a, it's you know the female version of oh, okay. Andy. I mean, so. I mean, Andy, he pretty much could be a protagonist in a female-centric JRPG. Very true, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it was it was a it was a fun and it was an enjoyable anime. I highly recommend finding it and watching it. Uh, I actually found it on YouTube of all places because I had been looking. I had it in a list of things to watch. Oh, and um, I just one day got a wild hair and I did a Google search to see if I could find it and and you know what platform it might be available for streaming. And sure enough, it was on YouTube. So. Um, I don't know if it's still going to be on there because the free-to-watch YouTube movies and stuff come and go very quickly. So uh, if it's still out there, look for it. If not, um, there's look other platforms. Anyway. There's other platforms you can find it on. Because uh, I think I originally tried finding it on Crunchyroll and it wasn't. Okay. Since Crunchyroll is now part of HBO Max, but uh, but yeah. Anyway, it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Now, for Crunchyroll, mm-hmm. did you actually go set that up as well, I assume? Uh, no, on the on the HBO Max app, there's just a page oh, for Crunchyroll. Okay. So you basically, you tap on the Crunchyroll icon, and it takes you to the, okay. the things that are available. Now, it's not apparently, and I can't, because I don't have the, the Crunchyroll app anymore, but apparently it doesn't have all of the selections that are in the right. actual paid-for Crunchyroll app, but it no. has a good, a good amount. Okay, I that's, think they're going like to do the other pages. Yeah, I think they're going to do like that rotation thing where they have a few choices and then rotate it. You know yeah, that I, thing you like. I love their rotation thing. Yeah, yeah, they can rotate. They can certainly rotate. As long as I'm not oh, yeah. paying extra for it right now, I'm fine. With that. But, but if I was paying separate for HBO Max, I would definitely want to have everything. And also, Doom Patrol is still rolling out. Episode four hit last week, so. Definitely, yeah. definitely recommend people check that out. The full first season is in there, and then the first four episodes of season two. All right. And that's all I can think of right now. Okay. Other than my normal YouTube rabbit holes where I'll go down sure, to sure. the subject of something. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm not going to talk about all the hermit craft <laughs> I've watched. Absolutely. <laughs> the, oh. the, one that, the one that cracked me up, though, the, the rabbit hole I went down was uh, I have a house, and it is in a neighborhood that does not have an HOA. Ah. But... You know, really, the the rabbit hole I went down was bad HOAs and some of the dirty tricks they're doing right now to to find people. Mm -hmm. Um, Because one of the major things with HOAs is they are not allowed to go onto your property and or like look over the fence or whatever into your backyard and so forth. So what they've been doing is taking drones and (laughs) hiring people to fly drones over the neighborhood because that is legal. They can fly that without permission 
and then they're finding people on that. I'm just like stuff like that. I'm wow. just like, wow. On the one hand, I gotta give them praise for their creativity, but on the other hand, fuck you, HOAs. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah they're terrible. I, I am hoping. I'm hoping that when eventually I do get a house, uh, it will be HOA free. Yeah, I just don't want to I... deal with that anymore because yeah. I live in a condo, and of course, condos all, almost all those come with it, so they come with their own headaches. Yeah, um... and they were really <laughs> cool for a lot of years, and then all of a sudden, it was just like. Real nitpicky about yep. this, that, and the other thing. That'll happen. Yeah, actually, a friend of mine who works in mortgages and stuff, she said she's always like, don't fall behind on your HOA. Always yeah. stay on top of that. Because they, they, she's seen a lot of, apparently, they'll put liens on houses. Yep. And they'll, they'll foreclose on people. <clears throat> and, and you don't find out until you get a note from your bank saying that there's an additional lien on your property. Yeah. And sometimes that's a whole year after yeah. they've actually begun to. It's yeah. it's nasty. It is. It is. It's very nasty. So fortunately, mine in, in the age of COVID, because I, I had a big fine on mine, and uh, I got them to waive it. So I just ended up with late fees, which is deserved because I was having problems keeping up with it. <clears throat> right. So, and it's kind of funny now because I uh, I don't have a list I don't have a coupon book or anything right and they they don't send out letters anymore so I have to like guess when the quarterly assessment is due and just go and pay it because I'm not sure you know if I'm missing it or in oh wow so it, 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 that's a little annoying to just take those shots in the dark but HOAs so you know avoid them yep they it's, suck it's really weird because East Coast, never heard of that. No idea what the hell that is. <sighs> but they're all over out here. Oh, yeah. Um, so what are the geeky things you do, guys? I I rewatched a, a lot of things. So I rewatched uh, Thor Ragnarok. I I rewatched uh, some old Star Trek. Uh, just stuff like that. Really. Com- comfort food. I guess so, yeah. I'm reading, I'm reading a book now. I'm not sure if I'm going to stick with it. Uh, through it's called the aching god and it's an interesting little fantasy that's very D inspired there's actually uh, an adventurer's league that goes exploring old ruins to find magical stuff and there's this one guy he's kind of suffering some ptsd from a very very traumatic foray where all of his companions were killed and they were killed by undead and they had fallen in a pit and stuff like that so it's it's in, it's incredibly D ish <clears throat> so that's that's eh, so you know just okay yeah yeah i mean i'm waiting for them to get to uh get to a high point and also it's you know it's D ish but they're no they're no elves or no dwarves or anything like that it's all human stuff and it's typical theme park fantasy you know government and social structures so i'm just sort of like yeah what's the name of it the aching god it's it's you know it's kind of okay actually so uh, it's nicely written because i've delved into a few it's gotten to the point where i can't even tell if something is self-published or not you know you just sit there on Kindle and you're breezing through and 
you don't know with some of these unless there's tons of grammatical errors and spelling errors yeah and exactly you're just like, and and this is this is actually well written enough that uh, I don't know is this guy paid an editor for his or this is released by by one of the publishing companies I don't know so hey it's uh it's interesting though so I got the Marvel collected i found it really cheap on amazon the marvel collected uh monster of frankenstein from their frankenstein oh. comics of the 70s oh wow oh. and uh, that was interesting and it was really funny because i'm reading through it and i'm like i recognize all these stories and i realized my brother my brother had this series when i was a kid and i'm like reading through this for the first time in decades and and reading it again and so that was really interesting and it's like the whole set of frankenstein appearances the the first few stories are very loyal to the uh novel okay and then it starts to get off the wall to where eventually frankenstein has an appearance and with spider-man <laughs> so you know that's when it kind of falls apart i haven't gotten that far yet so but they had like a whole little a whole little horror universal horror thing going on because their most famous horror comic was Tomb of Dracula and uh, they also had Werewolf by Night so they had they had uh, a few horror comics comics coming out that's when they right about when you talked about the comics code authority and this is right about when they were like ah fuck it and uh, <laughs> and they were just like screw well they could do horror out. comics again yeah and you know yeah, and, and it was kind of smart to start with the Universal because it's sort of like, this is stuff kids watch on TV on Saturdays. How can you hold this against us? So Yeah, yeah that is weird how the CCA just kind of faded away. Yeah, like, they, they didn't officially. It went out with a whimper. It was just kind of like. It did, it they did. They suddenly and it was, gone. What was it? It was, was it in the 80s or was it in the early 90s when they finally just totally dismantled it but i but, think it was late 80s I, yeah, but it was i want to say late 80s it was too. going it was starting in the 70s when they were starting to push the boundaries and it was the 80s where they just started getting further and further until it really wasn't relevant anymore yeah and now now that comics are billion dollar uh hollywood movie fodder right congress is going to have a hard time fucking with them so with all that money behind it True. That doesn't matter because, yeah. boy, what's acceptable yeah. now? Yeah, Congress is no longer scared of comic books. Well, it, it yeah, <laughs> scared you. They're only Man. scared of boobs. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Have, They're scared of boobs in comics. Gory, sure. bloody violence, but show one boob and suddenly boob. you're, you're, you're you know. freaking called before Congress. <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, too, because, yeah, you, uh, you take some of those ECs and by today's standards. Oh, yeah. You know? Little morality plays and yeah, gory for the time. All the gore and yeah, right. Not, nothing compared. I to remember that. one cover where a woman uh, uh, had something went insane or angry at her husband or something, and uh, uh, at the ending panel was she had carved him up and put him up in a butcher's display case ah yes and you know and it's really funny because you look at that now and it's just like meh 
Yeah. yeah. I know. think one of the things brought to Congress was the uh, the issue where the final panel is the guy was basically eviscerated and his piles of organs were used as bases in a baseball game. Ah, yeah. <laughs> now see, that's cool. You know, it's funny because the hell that sounds like a nightmare on Elm street uh, movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so I think the, the, the house of Frankenstein one was kind of, I like the artist who did that. Mike Plug. Really, really cool art style. I like that interpretation of Frankenstein. I actually, uh, <clears throat> I actually referenced that when I got uh, John Bean to uh, do up a picture of my latest character. Yeah, Met- I saw that. That was really cool. Metal Storm Fury Nine Omega, and I was like, I want him to have the uh, the, the Frankenstein uh, furry vest coat thing. And John knew what I was talking about, so. Was, John's awesome. Yeah. Except yeah. when he uh, introduced the man babies to the show. Oh, but, that, uh, that, that no. is an awesome dude. That's his cr- crowning achievement of awesome. What are you talking about? <laughs> Agree to disagree. Yeah. No, you guys leave John alone. He's the best. The thing is, we have questions for that, but I, I don't want to re engage that until Matt comes back. Oh, wow. So never. <laughs> Ouch. Well, damn. Not until there's a vaccine, apparently. Dude, I mean, you saw the dust. He's gone. He's been wiped away. Oh, the he's faded away, away from the picture, just like in Back to the Future, and just like in Infinity War, only the originals are still around. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There uh, you the go. Geek Shock Book Club is reading "Stranger to Strange Land" by Robert Heinlein, so we'll be opening up discussions of that on the eighth. Uh, I don't think I'm going to engage in this one uh, this time really? around. No, uh, I've we we read uh, Heinlein a couple months ago. Starship Troopers? Starship Troopers, yeah. And so, and I'm like, I'm just not in the mood for more Heinlein already. Oh, that's where that rule came from, huh? Yeah. Well, it it, it makes sense. I've instituted a new rule in the book club that uh, once an author has been selected for a club book, uh, that author can't be renominated until the following year. Now, is it a calendar year? Will it be every 12 months? How are you going to do that? Uh, I'm going to say about every 12 months because if it's calendar year, then you could do it, you know, December, January. So, yeah. So I, I see you trying to work the loopholes. What? What? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but I also realize it's a very, very different book. Uh, very, mm. very different book. So, uh, And a lot of people are excited to read it, it so I'm glad to see that. And eventually I will read it and probably put up my two cents, but I'm just not ready to right now. So right now I'm reading the second book in the Dresden Files. So that's, ah. that's what I've chosen for, because I, I just need something that's a little more uh, light and just classic uh, Dark fantasy stuff. Now, second published or second chronologically? Second chronologically. Okay. So from uh, what a lot of people have told me who've said, you got to read the series, uh, apparently the least favorite book of the series, um, about a, f- a fifth of the way through, about 20% through. And I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, I will say it's about werewolves. And as I've mentioned before, werewolves are not my favorite monster when it comes oh, down to that's the, just wrong. the thing they're of monsters. Um, that's just wrong. Werewolves? But, they're wolves. But I've already had the they're characters... castle. Stack. I've already... <laughs> thank you. Thank, I, did a, I did a month ago, and neither one of you did it, so I had to put it in as a sound effect. <laughs> oh. Well, now I'm sorry I yeah. said anything. Yeah, you guys said, bless you. That's what you said when I said <laughs> I remember that. Uh, so thank you. So I don't have to do the sound effects. Yeah, well, 
And thank you, Chris, for appreciating it. That's 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 on you. I'll, there you I'll, go. I'll get your name text to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where the hell? Oh, werewolves, Dresden. I I ask you because I made the mistake. It's funny too because ordinarily I'm a publication uh, purist. I'm like just just tell me when they were published. I'll read them in that order. Uh, but I went ahead and got. I believe it's called Stormfront, which is technically that's the first one. The first one. Is it the first one published or the first? Because I thought that was the first one chronologically. I think it's the first one published. Oh, is it? Oh, all right. Then it's and I enjoyed that one. Then but, it's not but it's, Stormfront. The one I got. Maybe I'm thinking I should have gotten Stormfront. Oh, okay. The one I got was uh, chrono called chronologically the first. I wasn't terribly impressed. Kind of a how Dresden got his wings kind of thing? Kind of, sort of. How, how Dresden became a magician. It, it actually, it's so far back, I don't remember much about it. So I'm going to have to assay that some, uh, some other time in the future. Because I want to give it a shot. I mean, enough people talk about it. So, And as I understand, especially as the series gets going, that, I mean, some people could proclaim it their favorite fantasy yeah. series of all time yeah, people so, crazy over it even some booktubers that i watch on youtube are like dresden do not miss it i guess wow. i guess now's the time for some popcorn reading so people on youtube liking something right you know what booktube bless them booktube is one of the most positive things on youtube really? out there. it's people just expressing love for books and of course, they're specialized. There's fantasy ones, sci-fi ones, horror ones, and but the, their whole their whole thing is this is what I read. This is why I liked it, and wow. and it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful. That's interesting. That's crazy. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. I'm sure you can find somebody that'll hate it. Yeah. Well, you know, if anything, I'll just I'll just talk to Vernon. Oh, okay. Of course, Vernon in general would be like, reading? What? <laughs> it's really funny because apparently he used to be, uh, be kind of crazy about uh, tie-ins. He, oh, read, okay, he yeah. read a lot of Star Wars tie-ins and Star Trek tie-ins. Sure. He can, he can deep dive. He can tell you about the novel where Khan, Noonien, Singh met Gary Seven and, you know, all of those fucking... All of those things, he can really he can really dive on that. So no, I get it. But uh, some good tie-ins out there. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, there are. You know, uh, friends with uh, benefits. Date, uh, no, no. Oh. Dayton Ward, who uh, has done some tie-in novel work for Star Trek, and uh, it's fun because uh, you you thought I was bad going after the man babies on YouTube, Dayton. Dayton cuts oh. loose with a oh. flamethrower. He has no time for that. Woo! <laughs> in, in fact, I would say I would go so far as to say he actively uh, pokes and prods them. Yeah, yeah, he does. So it's a does. hobby. God bless yeah, him. Uh, well, you know, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> it's like some he he did one. It was like uh, questions, like is it or isn't it canon? And then in, the answer was like, how many fucks? Dayton Ward gives whether it is or isn't canon or something like that, and it just like it just shit like that he does all the time. Yeah. He, he's he's brilliant at it. And, and I mean, one of goddamn his goddamn writers. One always, of his is this is this a YouTuber Dayton Ward or is this a friend of yours? Uh, Dayton Ward is an author. He's an author. He's, he's written he's he, written several novels with Kevin Dilmore and oh. and Solo in the Star Trek universe as well as other genre fiction. Yeah. Oh, genre. I'm not familiar yeah. with him. 
Yeah. He's a great guy. And uh, he's, he's come a, to Trek all the time. Yeah, he's uh, pretty cool about accepting uh, friend requests from <clears throat> experienced people. So so I went ahead and did that. And it's fun because he actually does post up a lot of writer stuff too, which is cool. But yeah, he, man, one of his favorite stabs is, uh, oh, I bet somebody got that from quote trusted sources unquote <laughs> he will hit that he'll hit that note all the time and i just love it just love it i also want to throw out a very very special thank you to adam kleskoslowski uh oh adam yes oh he, he posted a wonderful <laughs> Cap- video last week captain luddite uh I, I talked about his youtube channel and my love for his song a popsicle day and uh he wrote a master torgo song yeah and, he it's, did. and it's adorable and catchy very catchy. In fact, I got to ask him if I can use that for uh, for background music for uh, my Minecraft thing. Oh, well, I hope. You I mean hope. Torgo Craft? Yeah, that's the one. Oh my <laughs> goodness! I hope I hope you can because you know YouTube they'll come down on you quick. They man. will. They'll they'll they'll, they'll, they'll copyright they'll strike you. me. They'll get you. Yeah. Those they 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 protect the artist. But Adam, I so appreciated it, and, and especially a week like this one, uh, it was. Uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful moment, so thank you. I loved it so much. Jeez, to hear you talking, Todd, you'd think that there was like something major happening or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that look. <laughs> you couldn't hear it, but maybe you could feel it, people. Uh, feel the stare. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm finally, uh, finally silencing and uh, unfriending enough people that I'm... That I'm entering into the mm, zone nah. is just, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Or maybe it's, I'm at the same place you are. I'm just, I, I'm not going to a therapist. I'm just, I'm just staying in bed all day. <laughs> sure, sure. Whatever, I just, whatever I, helps. Me, I try to stay off social media because it's, ugh. Yeah. So, you know, even, even when you've, you know, filtered through all the, you know, false narrative shit oh, and God. you know it's like stuff that could be easily fact-checked and disproven it's just like <laughs> there's just not enough to make me feel good about being on social media so hey, just i get been it. avoiding it I you know, absolutely it, get it it's um i i also uh just the sense of ennui the the apathy it's like you know dr sleep has yeah. been available on Max for over you a week watched now. It? I still haven't watched it. I still haven't watched it. I'll, I'll you scroll should both through, really watch it. You know, and I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch Japanese guy beating self with stick <laughs> movie. <laughs> so, but uh, uh, of course, I didn't get through that. So, you know, that's my defense there. But um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, oh, I gotta watch Doctor Sleep. And part of me is like, no, no, get The Shining and rewatch that. And I can't find that streaming. So I'm like, well. See, that's 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 um, the problem we run into. Yeah, probably talk to me later because The Shining is like on Showtime. I think it is Showtime. It's it's so weird. Like I The Shining too. is on like Showtime, and then HBO has Doctor Sleep. Yeah, it's it's one of those that's weird cute. things. That's how like they get cheating. You. Yeah, that's how they get you. Yeah, that would make sense. But it's it's just like um, plus I think I have The Shining at home. That's why it's like yeah. talk to me later. I'll just let you. Have it yeah, I before. you know I mean and hell it's probably out there. For nine ninety nine on Blu ray. Blu rays are getting ridiculously cheap. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I uh, I went ahead and indulged myself. I got uh, John Wick one through three Ooh. for like twenty 
five bucks or something like nice. that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Three movie collections. What a bargain. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. This fucking world. I want to say something profound, but by God, I don't know what the hell it is. There's something lingering in the back of my head. I hate this. I got to like write. I As I do shit, I've got to write it down. Because by the time we get to here. Oh, yeah. I don't remember Jack. Notes are great. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, I know I watched Unless they're something. Andy notes and they're like four or five uh, pages long. And then just and like, nobody got time uh, for that. Except I, Andy. I'm actually dreading when he does come back because he's going to have like a book full of notes. Well, I have some notes. Slams no, it down. It's gonna, like a freaking war and peace. He's going to drive up a forklift. <laughs> what book? No, 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 no. Andy's Andy's going to sit in the chair. And cry like a fucking baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's just going to be like a 12-year-old girl with a skin knee, so happy to be back. He's just going to cry. He may not even be able to bring the funny. He'll be so happy to be back. <laughs> I, I did read a comic book this week, uh, a little graphic novel. Get the hell out uh, of here. That's, uh, it was kind of a disappointment. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's called uh, uh, On the Books. It's by Greg Farrell. And it's about the Strand bookstore. Uh, the Strand is one of the most famous and long-living bookstores in New York City. It's been around since, I think, like the early 1900s. And still kicking. So I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, and then it's about the work relations within there. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll grab that. That looks great. A graphic novel about working at a bookstore. Fantastic. Uh, no, uh, the graphic novel is about the Strand <laughs> is the only bookstore that I'm aware of that is unionized. Really? Uh, all, oh. all the bookstore employees uh, are under UAW, United Auto Workers Union. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That's that's their uh, that's their umbrella union. Uh. And this book is only about the fight between management and the union workers within the Strand bookstore. And nothing, nothing gets figured out from beginning to end. It's a whole book that there's, there's no story. There is this happened and these people weren't happy about it. And this was given up and this was given up. And now we're in another talks and we'll probably have to give something up. And that's, that's what it's about. Wow. It's about 120 pages of that. Oh, all right then. And uh, it's, I, I was guess I was looking for kind of a slice of life thing and, and got used to work in the bookstore industry. I have great memories working in bookstore. But uh, but yeah, this is just a bad, bad union versus management fights that aren't all that interesting to begin with. And he wrote a whole comic book about it and good on you. But boy, <laughs> that, when I was done, I was like, well, I, the only thing I learned from this is Strand has a union. So I guess I've learned something today. So, yes, I can't necessarily recommend it. That's, mm -hmm. Maybe maybe it's because it's a disappointment because it's not what I wanted. But, but even so, I, I'm a union guy. I am interested in union fights sure. overall. So when I started to realize that that's what it was, I said, okay, so I'll just approach it at this angle and, and, and enjoy it as far as that goes. But even that was... Not all that interesting. Right. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, on the books, unless you're into um, very, very 
dry talk about unions that's, that go nowhere. That's weird that they'd be represented by UAW and not like, say, Teamsters, because Teamsters has taken on a lot of other industries outside of, because originally they were just like construction and, sure. and like hauling and so forth, and now they're like into everything. Sure, yeah. and it does lament the fact that the UAW has lost so much power over the last 50 right. years, so that their own bargaining power has died off because of it. So, yeah. so there is that it's a shame that angle of it, but uh, so okay, I did that. Mm-hmm. Well, not at least not exciting, did. but at least you did something. I though. did something. I am currently reading a really good graphic novel though oh, called yeah. Trashed. It's by Durf Backdurf. Huh? I, I love his name, Durf Backdurf. He's the guy that wrote My Friend Dahmer, uh, a a book that I brought to I believe the Ugly oh, Couch Show way right, back when. Yeah. And because this comic book author knew Jeffrey Dahmer and wrote about his time, that he was a friend with him, and how he processed learning that a guy that he knew became one of the most infamous serial killers of all time. And a great, great graphic novel. Uh, This one's called Trashed, and it's based on his time working as a garbage man. And it is what I was looking for in the Strand book. (laughs) It is a slice of life of what it is like to be a garbage man from the inside and based on stories that he he went through and that people he knows in the industry and kind of created a story around all of that. That has been an interesting book so far. Yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. Durf Backdurfs. You can't forget that name. (laughs) Durf back Durf. No, that's uh, that's right up there with Chuck Tingles. Yeah. <laughs> anything else, gentlemen? I don't think I got anything All right. else. In that case, we'll continue on. There's news out there, gentlemen. So what? let's do some new. You know, no. What? 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 How about huh? a little mail first? We what? did get a mail? Piece, of, piece of mail this week. We mail got a piece of mail. Call. Got a piece of mail. Just a little, little suggestions. So I want to see if you guys have heard of this stuff. All right. Um, so. Uh, Here's the mails from Cthulhu Collector. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He says, "I just watched a couple of good movies about gamers in Prime, Amazon Prime uh, tournament. Uh, it's it is from 2018. It is about a local card tournament F- at a FLGS. That's a friendly local game shop. Right. All right. And the other is of Dice and Men, which is about D and D groups. Uh, last few games before one guy goes to Iraq. He says both were pretty good. I think you guys would enjoy them." Cthulhu Collector. So uh, thanks for the suggestions, because yeah. I love a good documentary, especially when it comes to nerdy topics, gaming topics especially. Absolutely. So uh, I'll check them both out. Tournament and Of Dice and Men. I've seen Of Dice. I've seen Of Dice of Men advertised. Okay. So Now, I have read a the book, right. Dice of Men, but I think that's a whole different that's, creature. It's funny, because That's it a is. history. It's a, yeah. History of D&D in particular. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Cthulhu Collector. I, yeah. I, I'm going to look into these tournaments and uh, of Dyson Men, all on Amazon Prime. Cool. So that actually brings us to news you don't give a shit about. Well, uh, uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's some COVID energy right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't have the, the Andy uh, energy today. Uh, and there really is only one. I thought we'd get away this week with that with none. I thought, oh, there's wow. no news this week that we don't give a shit about. But no. There found one. There's plenty, but you do a good job of, of weeding out the. Uh... Well, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of interesting news. This game is now in uh, open of early development. Uh, this yeah. is now game is now advanced. And, uh, mm. This rumor is now fact, yeah. or this rumor has now been debunked. Oh, there's a lot of rumor stuff that I won't yeah, touch. Exactly. And 
game announcements, book announcements. Sure, that's that's not what we we do. It's news announcements of stuff out there occasionally, but if we just did book announcement, that's its own podcast for God's sake, right? Uh, but this is a product announcement. Oh, Kellogg's. Kellogg's. Kellogg's is bringing a Minecraft Creeper Crunch cereal to grocery stores across the U.S. in August. And each box includes a code for in-game clothes you'd normally need to pay for. Clothes. Clothes. That. Okay. <laughs> yes. Hey, give him some background. There, yes. Sort of. <laughs> Minecraft. Yeah. One of the most successful, not one of the, the most successful game ever made. Oh, okay. It is the highest grossing game ever. Oh. Uh, and the guy who created it, Notch, sold it to Microsoft for billions of dollars. Mm. Yep. And Microsoft, when they got it, it's like, uh, most of the people who want this game already bought it. So how do we make money on it? So, of course, more people, they created what they call the uh, Bedrock Edition. And that is the one that... Uh, brings multiple consoles together to play. So if you a PC gamer can play with an Xbox person, can play with a Switch person. The only console that doesn't isn't included is PlayStation because PlayStation has some kind of architecture issue that PlayStation won't allow certain things to happen. Uh, I'm not sure what the deal is with that, but I'll tell you what the deal is. Sony. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a Sony issue and that's really Sony. it. So that's why Sony people you can't play Minecraft with other people. Uh except other PlayStation people. Uh, but within the game, the only way they could figure out a way to monetize what they bought, aside from selling this other addition to people, is to sell in-game clothes. Now, on PC, you can upload your own stuff. If you're PC, you can go out there, you can build your own skins, you can uh, download other people's skins and, and change it willy-nilly. Uh, but on uh, console editions, the only thing to, you can do to change your skin is to buy clothes for your avatar, or, or, or they, you can also they sell maps or uh, uh, skin uh, skin changes for the entire game. So all the block visual visuals change. For example, the game that Barry's Realm is on uses the Chroma Hills uh, add-on, which makes everything look a little more high res. So, oh, okay. it, so it looks better than your average Minecraft game does, not as pixelated. So that's how they're making their money. So when this uh, box comes with a code for clothes, that's that's what it means. That's that's the way that Microsoft is making their money, aside from licensing to Kellogg's for cereal uh, for Minecraft. So don't get me wrong, Minecraft is. I mean, I don't. I don't know if they've made their money back as of yet for what they've paid for Minecraft, but they're well on their way. Oh, they've they have they have. Okay, I mean, just licensing alone. From from the financial analyst article that I read back when they did buy Minecraft, the money that they spent to buy the game mm -hmm. and well, the the company was less than the amount of taxes they would have had to pay on that money sitting in their oh. bank account. So in addition to acquiring something that generates revenue, they are also able to write that off as a, yeah. Yeah. Well, so there it is. There's your answer. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's all that creative financial stuff, which, uh, it was funny. I just recently found out they, uh, there's an updated version of the Hollywood economist 
Oh, okay. That I that I want to check out, see what they've added into it. Yeah, but yeah. That that kind of creative accounting goes on in almost every industry. But uh, but yeah, typically when they say, "Oh, we took a huge loss this quarter," blah 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 blah. It's normally they haven't really taken that much. That's just on paper how much they've lost. It still blows my mind, and I find it kind of inspirational that the best-selling video game of all time was written in Java by one guy. Yeah. I mean, later on when it exploded into something larger, he brought in a larger team. But what, what Minecraft was created by one guy. And wasn't he giving it away for free for quite a while, too? No, it was early access, though, and it was super oh, okay. cheap. Oh, okay. Super cheap. And but that was back when you could pick up a block and place a block, and that's really all you could do. I see. See, guys, so don't give up the dream. You can still do it. Make that video game and yes. sell it for billions. That's right. That's what dream, <laughs> Every, that's, Everyone can do it. That's what dreams are made of. <laughs> uh, the box art uh, for the cereal is that of a Minecraft creeper, and the cereal itself includes kind of like just basic square grain, well, blocks, right? With a, with a hole in the center. They kind of... Nothing special. <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like corn cereal. And uh, and then they have uh, green marshmallows, which are apparently creepers. The, the creature in the game that blows up and ruins your work. No cereal ever looks like what it's supposed to. Like, sure. You see the commercials on like during Saturday morning cartoons. You're like, oh, that's cool. And then you get the cereal. And it's like, no, oh, that doesn't look at all like right. a blue clover. Or <laughs> right. C-3PO is one of the most boring cereals yeah, on the planet. green clovers. Blue diamonds. Yeah. C-3PO's. The first Star Wars cereal. It's just <laughs> boring. Yeah. Goddamn boring. <laughs> uh, so here's, a, I'm going to read the press release. Uh, With a global audience of 126 million players per month, Minecraft is bringing the creative, adventurous spirit of its wildly popular game to another platform. Cereal. Introducing Kellogg's Minecraft Creeper Crunch Cereal, a tasty cinnamon-flavored cereal featuring the green square-shaped Creeper Bit Marshmallows that delivers the vibrant world of Minecraft. Uh, I, yeah, it doesn't. I've seen it. It's not that vibrant. Yeah. It's green. Yeah. It's green It's green and yellow. Wicked Geek! Woohoo! Now I want to make a cereal called Vibrant. <laughs> I, I think they did. Be, it was called Kaboom. It's going to say, like, just ridiculous <clears throat> colors and everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got Oops All Berries, which sure. is my favorite. It's good. It's very good. Yeah. It's all berries. It is. Uh, so is that your favorite cereal of all time? Um, no, I would say my favorite of all time is Cinnamon Life. Oh, wow. That's not an answer you hear all that often. I'm kind of <laughs> impressed. Oh, okay. Life's one thing, but to go, you know, not just cinnamon, I, cinnamon I life. cinnamon. Uh, cinnamon frosted mini wheats. They don't make them anymore. Right. Nope. That used to be my favorite. Okay. Get those, break them up, and then, oh, yeah. Okay. They don't do it anymore, fuckers. They don't even make the right frosted mini wheats anymore. When it just used to be the whole biscuit, and now it's just yeah. the bite size. Yeah, I mean, you know, I used to like, you know, put that, soak it in the milk, go to town, break it you up with your spoon, big, one yeah. big old chunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Water. Jeff, is that your favorite cereal of all time? I don't know what my favorite. I I used to go through. Now, granted, when I was a kid, we tended to buy a lot of the uh, 
the bagged cereal that was the sure. knockoff stuff. The multi meal stuff. Yeah, because it was quite a bit less expensive and you got more. So sure. And, it, and still was, really good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was a way for my mom to stretch out the you know, the money for food. But uh um God, I, I always used to go back and forth between like uh Cheerios and Honey Nut Cheerios. Um I really liked rice checks for a long time. That was like just one of those yeah, things I you really can't, you can't look at me anymore. No, I can't. No. Rice um, checks. I'm exotic. Honeycomb now. was the one that I was like obsessed with for Go quite a while. Go to the honeycomb hideout. Now, see, I, I can understand honeycomb very much. Honeycomb's very tasty. Yep. Uh, rice checks? Yeah, I don't know. It was one of those weird things. I just really liked the flavor of it. Yeah. Okay. But well, you know anyway. what? To each their goddamn done. Absolutely. And let's see what was the other one. I was Cinnamon just life say. and rice checks. Anything with marshmallows in it was one that I, you know, because we couldn't get those very often. Okay. Yeah. So, so like, that was your know, favorite. Yeah. Whatever your your Lucky Charms knockoff was. Or oops, you know. all marshmallows. Yeah. Very oh, yeah. tasty. Very you know tasty. what? What? I I went to uh, an Amish grocery store a few years Ooh. back. Yes. When I went to Shipshawan in Indiana. <laughs> mm-hmm. And. In their grocery store, they had option of a bag of marshmallows. That that's all it was, and and a really, big, a, and I'm talking the cereal marshmallows, not like your. Okay, I was gonna yeah. say you you can you can <laughs> do that anywhere, Todd. I don't yeah. want to. No, these are actual like Lucky Charm style marshmallows, and just oh, a big bag of them. Dang. Wow, right? You know, it just actually reminded me of something too. That the whole bulk. Cere- Did you guys ever have the bulk cereal? In your uh, grocery stores, like it literally was these giant bins of yeah either the the brand name right or sometimes it'd be like the the the, yeah, the Malto Whole, Mio one. I think Whole Foods does that <laughs> not um, anymore. No, there was there was a grocery COVID. store near my yeah. grandparents. I remember the, we used to go to and yeah. you know you pulled your bag off the wall, you put it yeah. in there and you filled it up and then you took it to the, the we used to counter. put a scoop a in lot, the barrel. A lot less expensive, and that was that because. My grandparents never bought anything sugary unless the grandkids were no. over. So they would they would go buy some of that cereal for us when when we were in town. Speaking but. of sugary, when you were kids, mm-hmm. did you used to put sugar on Cheerios? Yes, I never did. I did. Yeah, absolutely, a lot of it. As but much it, as I could get away with. It's funny because I've had Cheerios in the last I don't know five years or so, and unless they've started adding something to it, I've been like. Why in the world would I add... Same thing with cornflakes. I've done the same thing. I've had cornflakes once, and I was like, wow, I put sugar on this. Jesus Christ, I must have been a little hophead. <laughs> I think I remember having like frosted flakes not long ago and realizing, wow, this is super sweet for me as an adult palate. Yeah. I, like, I don't think I could have eaten this that's, as an adult versus when I was a kid. I couldn't get enough of that. That's, that's, when, I get, that's when I'll get cereal. Is when I'm, well, I'll get oops, all berries or cinnamon life when I'm, let's have some sugar. <laughs> let's have lots of sugar. And you remember when they used to do the raisin brand and they would coat the raisins in like yeah. a cloud of sugar? Yeah. yeah. And they were awesome. I I like this. I like the, the one now. That's just the plain raisins, and the it's like I can't do it's whatever it's, it's old too man. Sweet. I don't know, <laughs> dude. It's weird, dude. I I, I used to love my sweets mom, and, and I, I can't do it now. Stayed with some friends in California when I was a kid. Her uh, one of her best friends, she actually uh, had had cancer and was was fighting it and everything. And uh, she used to make, she used to serve raisin bran 
to us and she would get raisins and add them to the raisin bran so you could have more. And I always hated it because the added raisins broke were always the, broke the balance. Always harder. They were always a little tougher than the raisin the raisin bran raisins were I don't know what the hell they did, but those puppies were tender. That, that was like that was like you know good rib meat off the bone. Oh yeah, yeah. Right and but the 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 box raisins always had a little more chew to them and yeah and it's like oh how can you even do this and they'd get all put out because I didn't think it was a great idea. <laughs> that was that was one of my mom's hacks when I was a kid too because you could get the big bulk box of raisins for pretty cheap and then you get the regular bran flakes and then you just. Put it in there, shake it up, and then now that was see, an easy way to your bag of cereal marshmallows. Mm-hmm. That's what I that's what I would get them for. So I could add them to the Cheerios, the corn oh. flakes, the whomever. You know, you could just dump a cup in uh, with that and mix it around and stuff. That would be kind of oh god. I remember uh, it wasn't Lucky Charms, but it was another one that had the the same marshmallows in it. Yeah, and it I was... remember my sisters ate all the marshmallows out of it and left the cereal. Oh. So one morning I sat down to have a bowl of cereal. I poured it out. There were no marshmallows. Asshole. And Sisters I was just like, bitches. wow. Whoa. Oh, yeah. What was <laughs> I that? I was not happy. Was it a, uh, oh, uh, it wouldn't have been Count Chocula, would it? Because that had, because all the monster cereals have the little marshmallows. Boo Berry has the right. blue, you know, and the Frankenberry. It, it was a very similar, I mean, they, they were all like the, the oat the oat cereal that was covered in sugar. You, and were, ba- you yeah. were basically left yeah. with alphabets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Alphabets. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Sugar yeah. puffs were good. Jean Lafitte too. when I was a kid. The Jean Lafitte um, Captain Crunch because that was Cinnamon Crunch. I love cinnamon. Right. And Cinnamon Crunch was it, but they don't. I remember uh, was it you? Paul, who somebody got the the book of cereal? Oh yeah, that's that's mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I, I the first thing I did was go Jean Lafitte. Jean Lafitte is he in there? Is he in there? Jean Lafoot, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, cinnamon crunch. Mm. What was the the? <laughs> was it Cookie Crisp that was the chocolate chip cookies? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's that was the one I liked for a long time. And and, and I've always called bullshit on that. That never tasted yeah, like chocolate chip. It never cookies. did. But when I worked Lying at McDonald's, assholes. I used to get the chocolate chip cookies and just put them pour them in a bowl pour some milk over the top and eat them like cereal that was the fucking bomb dude (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's some proper cereal oh man Uh, but you were talking about putting sugar on cheerios cheerios yeah yeah, frosted uh, or or cornflakes yeah when i would put so much on there that the bottom of the bowl was this thick yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so you'd scrape the bottom and you get this big old wet sludge sugar yeah with about four cheerios on it yeah it's all you need and your mom would look at it and yell at you yep she i would put sugar in then she'd turn her head and i'd put in more and you're sitting there with the TV table watching your cartoons, and the sherbet bowl would fall off the table and onto the carpet. No, that's the quick. That's the bouncing <laughs> off the walls. It's like <laughs> running around the oh, house. Oh yeah, like, God, what are you doing? Yeah, so yeah, I don't eat cereal at all on regular basis, but occasionally I'll get that wild hair and I'll go buy some uh, cinnamon life or oops, nothing but berries. I, I don't have a current favorite. My my absolute favorite, like. Many others is no longer with us, although it kind of is. It was a very specific iteration of, um, not Cocoa Krispies, uh, the Flintstones one. 
Coco the Fruity Coco Pebbles. Pebbles. Coco Pebbles. Coco Pebbles. There yeah. was a time, I believe it was the year 2000, um, maybe 2001, where they would have these little colored crystal sugar on those little things. So they were like little little rocks that were oh. mined out of the Flintstone mine, Ooh. gemstones, if you will. Ooh. <laughs> and so it was little crystal sugars on the already super sweet. Yeah, I and, remember that. Now. And it added a little extra crunch factor to yeah. it, so it, it it was a joy. They it were colored too, joy. right? It yes. was like colored crystals, yes, like red were. and pink yeah. and uh, blue. I think. Yep. Yeah, I've yeah. done I've done cocoa pebbles. I've had my cocoa pebbles uh, of zones. Right. Yeah. Bonnie, my pebbles. All right, all right, everyone. If, in case you missed it, you were supposed to take your bong hit on this discussion about <laughs> there you go. about fifteen minutes ago. Welcome right. to sh- cereal shock. Yeah. Uh, so I believe I said Week and Geek and never did anything with it. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this show never goes off the rails, it's, ever. No. Tangents. No. Mm, I love tangerines. <laughs> Amazon is developing a Fallout TV adaptation yeah. from Westworld creators Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy. Based on the Bethesda Softworks-owned video game, the project, quote, has been handed a series commitment, says the release, Quote, over the last decade, we looked at many ways to bring Fallout to the screen, said Todd Howard of Bethesda. But it was clear from the moment I first spoke with Jonah and Lisa a few years back that they and the team at Kilter were the ones to do it right. We're enormous fans of their work and couldn't be more excited to work with them and Amazon Studios, unquote. The post-apocalyptic role-playing game series began in the late 1990s from developer-slash-publisher Interplay Productions. Bethesda released its first Fallout title, Fallout 3, in 2008, and did away with the turn-based battle mechanic of the first two entries in favor of a real-time strategy in open world. Uh, Fallout New Vegas 2010, Fallout 4 2015, and the mm, Fallout 76 of 2018 (laughs) followed. The games take place in an alternate reality where the Cold War era threat of nuclear annihilation and the atom punk aesthetic of the atomic age, think 1950s, persisted well beyond the new millennium. An atomic war finally decimates the United States in the 21st century, driving humans into radiation-proof vaults. Players assume the role of a vault dweller, leaving one of the vaults for the first time. Uh, I've made no bones about it. Fallout's been one of my favorite video game series of all time. It's Uh, great. I know a lot of people out there poo-poo, oh, the new Fallouts are terrible, the old ones are great. I agree, the old ones are great. The new ones are great, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the 76 because it's all multiplayer. Right. Uh, I know they've added a lot to it over the last year. They've actually put uh, NPCs in it, which really? kind of need for Fallout. Well, yeah. So maybe I'll revisit 76 again with all these updates because if they can make No Man's Sky this good after so many updates, right. uh, maybe they can fix Fallout 76 as well. Who knows? But I mean, I like the pedigree behind it. Uh, Jonathan Nolan and uh, I forget the other lady's name uh, that you just Lisa mentioned. Joy, I Lisa think? Joy, yeah. Uh, they've gone on to produce some pretty great television series. So I'm, I'm personally very intrigued to see where they go with this. Because I think there's enough stories that you could do a... You know, either a one-off season or you know a couple of different seasons in a in that in that world, if you will. So Amazon's been getting some massive gets, yeah, and it's all just potential right now because yeah. they're 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 huge properties. They've laid out la- massive amount of money for them. Mm-hmm. 
uh, now let's see if they can make good on yeah. all this stuff. They got Lord of the Rings. Yep. They've got Wheel of Time. Yep. And now they have Fallout. Yep. And they're putting good people behind them too. Yep. So that's why I'm like, I'll, I'll I'll remain cautiously optimistic on a lot of those, but more more optimistic than cautious, I guess. Well, maybe <laughs> th- th- that Jeff and for you. Your TV already has Fallout burned into the screen, so <laughs> and Channel Eight and the CBS Eye. Yeah, so <laughs> like both of those like burned into the TV. You're uh, you're 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 good for yeah. uh, for Fallout. It'll like mask it for me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, super excited about this news. Uh, I guess we'll see it here in about three years or so. Yeah. Maybe two. Who knows? Who's got Foundation? Uh, that would be Apple Plus. Apple. Okay. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, there was something That's that just there was something the other day that like it was got down to um it was like Amazon, Netflix and Apple and Apple one and I was like it was something that I was reading while I was reading the article. Oh, this is cool. I'm going to oh, it's on Apple Plus. <laughs> and the uh, trailer looked actually kind of good. I still may check out Apple Plus since now you can you can stream it through the the browser if you have Google Chrome if you're on a non-iOS device. So sure. It's oh, just wow. one of those things that it's just like, it's it's really a hassle if you don't yep. have an Apple product. And that's the whole point. Or I should say, it was a hassle if you didn't have an Apple product. <laughs> it just, it, it's, they, it's weird because Apple has apps that they have built for Android. Mm-hmm. Why they don't make an Apple Plus app so that they can open their audience up to or, you know, open their app up to a wider audience. I don't know. It's about to buy that. Yeah, apple. it's about buying an apple. Uh, yeah. for, for, I have an Apple system, uh, my iPad, uh-huh. and I don't think I can get Apple Plus on it because the iPad's so old it won't right. play the app. Yeah, I can't my, play Disney Plus on the thing. My dad ran into it the other day. He has an iPad that he got from work. They 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 assigned one to everybody, and he was trying to do something on it, and it was too old to do that. And I said, "Well, take it back in and have them give you a new one." He goes, "Well, it still works." And I'm like, "You didn't pay for it, Dad. It's not like you're out any money if you take it back in and say, hey, this thing that I need to use for work is not working.' So anyway, which is really funny because you can picture Jeff saying that, right? You're talking about I, something. I just heard him say it. Of course, yeah. I can. He'd just be like, "Well, it still works." Well, you yeah. know, I mean, I would have well, returned you know, it in, but it still works. My dad's been a penny pincher all his life. He'll he'll spend more money repairing something than it cost to buy oh, a new thing. Yeah, I know. I, I disagree with this one, Kay, because Jeff is more of a latest and greatest kind of guy. Well, that's, that's true. The thing. It is true. I am, I am an early adopter on a lot of things. Yeah, all right. I, I'm one of the more person that say it still works. I'll still use it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm still using mine for God's sake. All I can use it for is YouTube anymore. But and that's because oh, you can't play your Marvel game on there anymore nope. now, can you? Nope. Yeah. I, I in fact, there's except for a couple of uh, I can play Catan on it, and uh, I can play uh, Lords of Waterdeep on it. <laughs> well, you've for what you pay because you got yours at a discount, right? If I remember correctly, like you didn't pay full price. Uh, like you got it on clearance or whatever. Uh, I, I'm sure I got it somewhat discounted, but it was at the time one of the newer ones. So I, I, I took a di- a financial dive on it. I thought you were like you bought one that was like a year older than the the newest one, so that you got it at a, a cheaper. Yeah, I think I did, but I still think it was like. 500. But you've gotten your money's worth. I oh mean, yeah, that's I, been, I can't complain. That's been at least six years, I right? Can't, I can't complain. This this is yeah. what I watch Hermitcraft on when I'm falling asleep at night. That's what I use it for. Okay, that is it. That's all it's 
minutes left. And, <laughs> and if I deleted the YouTube app that I'm using, I could not re-download it because the re-download will not download because it will not work. <laughs> Goddamn thing. I made that mistake with Twitch. I'm like, uh, Twitch wasn't working right. So I was like, I'll just re-download it. And then when I attempted to, oh, the reason it wasn't working right is because, oh, they updated the app on my pad can't run it anymore. <laughs> wah, wah. Wah, wah, indeed. Okay, that's enough of that. Marvel announced that it has landed the rights to publish new stories in the Alien, Predator, and Aliens versus Predator universes next year, setting the stage for a new era in both franchises and laying the groundwork for potential crossovers. Marvel did not immediately reveal the creative teams for the upcoming stories, but the publisher noted that a pre in a press release that the new comics will be, quote, building on decades of multimedia storytelling from each franchise, including films, games, novels, and perhaps previously published comic books. The publisher released two pieces of teaser art from David Finch. David Finch's art depicts both creatures in different corners of the Marvel Universe, the Xenomorph on the Guardians of the Galaxy ship and the Predator at Avengers Tower. Since the late 1980s, both Alien and Predator comic license has resided at Dark Horse Comics, where they've published new stories set in those universes, as well as a series of high-profile crossovers with everyone from Archie to Batman to Vampirella. Uh, Marvel will re reveal release dates, creative teams, and plot details for their new Alien and Predator books at a later date. I mean, it makes sense. Disney owns the license now. and Well, they own Fox, is yeah. what you're saying. and Yeah, so they can do what they want with it sure but i mean dark horse had the license it makes sense to try to bring that back home that that's interesting because i mean it's like i was watching a um a financial thing on youtube the other day about how licensing and cross licensing and so forth and then when you actually own a property and you own other properties it just makes it so much easier oh, of course to deal with you know, moving things around within your company. And it's, it just makes sense from a financial standpoint. If they can, they probably would make a little bit more money licensing it to Dark Horse or continuing to license it to Dark Horse, but they have a wider array of things that they can use it for under the, the Disney umbrella. You know, you can do Marvel uh, comics, you can do video game stuff, you can do, I mean... You could do movies. I mean, there's just the possibility is endless, and you don't have to go through all those clearances of saying, "Can we use this?" No. Okay. Can we use this? Oh, yes. Perfect. Right. In fact, James Gunn was talking about that, and like um, in Guardians of the Galaxy two, when they're in that that the cave in, in Edo um, where the all the skeletons are, they put a lot of little Easter eggs in there. But he had to be real careful um, with the clearances because some of those because it was pre the 20th Century Fox buyout, some of those things were very close to looking like an alien or a predator, so they had to make minor adjustments so that they had clearance rights on that. But now, he said, he said if I'd have done it now, it wouldn't have been an issue. Sure. A new drive-in movie agreement is bringing the big screen experience to your local Walmart parking lot. What? Due to a new arrangement between them and Tribeca, 160 Walmart parking lots across the U.S. will make the conversion to drive-in cineplexes starting next month. The deal widens the reach of Tribeca's already planned drive-in series, coming to a smaller selection of locations nationwide, serving up a curated lineup of uh, movie favorites like Bill & Ted's Excellent Adventure, Black Panther, E.T., and more. 
Tribeca is programming the film series, and details are still being finalized for which movies will be shown. Additional genre movies that Tribeca has already announced includes The NeverEnding Story, Apollo 13, Back to the Future, Space Jam, Jaws, and The Wizard of Oz. The idea is to fill the movie-going void created by nationwide theater closures due to the pandemic. The events reportedly will include, quote, appearances from stars, as well as concessions delivered to customer vehicles via report. It'd be wonderful if that was all one thing. The stars would bring you the concession. Right. <laughs> and because you're already at Walmart, moviegoers goers will be able to, quote, order drive-in essentials for curbside pickup prior to the start of the movie, unquote. <laughs> right? What Have you ever tried? Walmart. Have you ever tried doing curbside pickup at Walmart? No. You got to do it like at a day in advance. So yeah, no, it's. I don't think this is going to work for their their plans there. But. And while Tribeca's drive-in program has already started in bigger venues, the Walmart portion will begin in August and run through October. Run through? That's still not, yeah. So it's all temporary. Yeah, this is this this is a a temporary thing to uh, uh, during COVID. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, it seems like an interesting idea. But, no, no, I kind of like it. Yeah, I, I like it. It's uh, it's one more entertainment option that is relatively safe. It's funny you mentioned, and uh, and you can kind of get out without getting right. Out. It's funny you mentioned the never ending story being one of the films in there. And Honest Trailers just did a really good <laughs> uh, trailer on uh, Never Ending Story the other day. Never Ending Story is great. It's goddamn dark. It is a children's story that it can only be from Germany. Yeah, that's that's well, that's that's one of the things they bring up in this trailer. He's like a never-ending story that's not really a story, and a lot of brooding <laughs> and a lot of dark. Ger- and, they- and a horse dies. I yeah, think that's exactly. why I loved it as a kid because I'd never seen anything like it. This is a fairy tale with goddamn stakes. I mean, yeah. it's 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 that whole. Th- but yep. there's stakes in other fairy tales. Grandma gets eaten, or. The prince doesn't marry you. Or You're right, but the, those the stakes, other prince doesn't marry you. But those stakes are very small scale when it comes to the larger picture. Yes, it is a tragedy to lose grandma, especially to a wolf. That is goddamn tragic. However, when there is an a Nietzschean encompassing all nothing yeah. that is swallowing all of the world because of a lack of human imagination. That is some next level shit. <laughs> but the horse died. You're right. And it, it was terrible. It, you're right. It's, uh, it's and because of that, it's amazing. That is a uh, goddamn choice. All right. I think we're seeing, we're, we're finally getting some answers <laughs> about where Torgo came from. <laughs> You've always wondered where his darkness came from. Yeah, you know. No, it's absolutely. It's it's not tragic. It's traumatic. That yeah. moment in that movie is absolutely traumatic. There were quite a few traumatic. Yes, kids' films when we were younger, but nothing on that not, level. Not like today. Nothing on that level. A little bit more sanitized today, wow. but May, maybe something wicked this way comes. But even that kind of works yeah, out in the so, end. Well, so even you, like the the original Grimm's fairy tales, like you, you go back and read like the the unsanitized rewritten well, yeah. for children. They're fucking dark as hell. Yeah, and Sleeping Beauty wakes would, up because yeah. she's giving birth to the baby that was put inside her while she was asleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. It's dark. You know? Some of those are from Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Old Yeller. But uh, but yes, our tax. Who, who expected that going in? Oh, well, maybe the people who read the book. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, and 
if you have not read the never-ending story the the movie is the first half of the book right the second half has never been filmed the, the second half is its own story about they tr- they kind of filmed it never ending story 2 kind of plays homage to it yeah, it's going to be story 2 yeah there was a sequel that didn't really yeah, do yeah. anything with the first one yeah jonathan brandis played yeah. uh, bastion really? and it and it takes place after, after bastion starts making wishes and it's his wishes that reestablishes the world of fantasia and apparently or, there was even a third sequel that there, i did recently found out about that, there was jack black that, was in it yeah that jack black was in yeah. and it was like apparently like really dark but not good yeah. black yeah the uh, yeah yeah the uh and and there's there's they they didn't go from the second half of the book no no they they kind of referenced it in the fact that when bastion makes wishes he starts losing piece of himself and memories of himself and who he is uh that's kind of the second half of it so fantasia is based on his memories and he's losing himself in recreating this world, but Bastion in the second book, in the second half of the book, uh, outright be- almost becomes a villain. Like a well, I would guy. too. <laughs> My fucking horse dies. That's not his horse. <laughs> That's Atreyu's horse. And you know what? Atreyu got his horse back. Did at the end of the movie, Atreyu's riding his horse. Our tax is fine. Magic of movies didn't happen in the book because the book is proper German. <laughs> <laughs> oh, our tax came back in the movie. Yeah. See, I stopped watching the movie when our tax bought it. Really? I was just like, fuck this. Yeah. When the at, <laughs> Jesus at the end, there is just a little smidgen. There's a couple of dusts. And that's all that's left of Fantasia. Uh-huh. But that's enough to make the wishes on to bring Fantasia back to life. Uh-huh. It needs the human imagination the human imagination that named the princess Moonchild, which is a fucking dumb name anyway i've been sure. on that before but and don't forget the theme song sung by lamal listen <laughs> listen lamal as of a week ago i had lamal's haircut all right <laughs> the, the I, big, I love some big wavy 80s do lamal front man of kaja gugu absolutely that that, that that movie is a winner all around <laughs> Yeah, we got to get a close up of your uh, your haircut on uh, on the the lair. Jeff Harris will look at that and flashback to his time in the core. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually let my wife come at my hair with some clippers. Yeah, and uh, she did a decent job. No, you're you're high and tight, as they say. Sure. You're ready wow. to report for duty. He's he's totally changed his tune. He said she did a really good job earlier. Now he's like she did a decent job. No, no, what she the did hell, a, man. No, 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 she did a really good job. Okay, yeah. Especially a first time, absolutely. I'm he he said, "Honey, do do a decent job," and she hit decent job perfectly. So he's like, "She did a really good job." There it is. There it is. Yeah. I, no, I, it's 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 fine. You're. I had a, our tax level of expectation. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I got. You're ready to go out and, and shoot it, some And it ISIS. didn't burn out the clippers like when we did it. Like what the fifteen years. <laughs> You guys burnt out clippers? What were you, shaving pubes? He had had grown a mohawk and then wanted to shave his hair off, so he had some clippers, and he had me cut his hair, but halfway through, the the clippers burnt out. Like, Uh, the motor in the clippers just burnt out. Which half? Which half? Please tell me it was the front half. That would have been awesome. I think I finished the rest with scissors or something like that. But yeah, I just remember remember the motor on the clippers just burning out. It was just like... No, I ended up going to an actual hairstylist to finish the goddamn thing. Oh, I see. I I thought I I had an image of Jeff uh, stroping a straight razor. (laughs) We'll get this this done. (laughs) Nope. I would rather walk through the swamps of sadness. (laughs) 
Wow, you trust me so little. <laughs> <laughs> I trust no one with a straight razor in my head. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, well. Memories. Hmm. Like the um, dew drops on the something? I don't know. I, I don't know that song. Epic fail. <laughs> wow. We uh, lost a few wow. people, of course, this week, because we can't go a week without doing that. So we have uh, Ennio. Um, is it Morricone? Yes. Yes, Ennio Morricone, a famed Italian film composer, died at the age of 91. Mm. Uh, enjoying a career that lasted for six decades, Morricone scored some of Hollywood's most iconic features, like John Carpenter's 1982 remake of The Thing. A sonic right. departure from the composer's usual orchestral arrangements, the music created for that film is notable for leaning heavily into synthesizers and mimicking Carpenter's own style. Uh, unused tracks for The Thing ended up uh, on Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight 33 years later. It was the project that finally landed him an Oscar of victory after five nominations. Uh, Morricone is also especially known for his work on spaghetti westerns, like Sergio Leone's Dollars trilogy. Yep. Uh, which... I have never seen a spaghetti western in my life. Really? Until oh, until shocked. three oh. days ago. Oh, really? Okay. Which one did you watch? I, I just saw it. That was on Showtime. I was like, I've never seen a spaghetti western, so we'll start with that one. And I saw a few dollars more. Okay. And right. I um I was goddamn impressed. Yeah. I for nineteen sixty five yep. to have that much of theatrical command of the camera. Mm-hmm. To make every shot just so exciting, yeah, was it was mind opening to me that that was happening that early. Dude, you you haven't even seen the best of the trilogy. Yeah. Good, the bad, and the ugly will blow your blow your hair back. What little of it there's left. <laughs> <laughs> but his score uh, just goddamn makes yeah. the movie. I mean, yeah. when you think of Western music as far as scores in movies. He is music is what you think of. Yeah, Bernstein or Morricone. Yeah, yeah his his uh, especially the, going back to uh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly. The music in that is so iconic, and it was for its time such a a diverse mix of instruments trying to replicate the things that would have been available in the old west, as well as really drive the movie forward. So, uh, yeah, definitely need to check out. Uh, good, bad, and the ugly. If you want one of the, you know, for some it's the epitome of all it really spaghetti is. westerns. It really is, and that one, that one is cinematically amazing. It's cinematically amazing. Uh, also, uh, one of the most underappreciated um, soundtracks of all time, uh, The Untouchables. Yes. Oh, he did that one, didn't oh he? Absolutely. God. He he did so many. You end up getting surprised. Yeah. You're, you're just like. He did that. You you think about it, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. but but there are a lot. He did a lot. They they said you you wrote six decades, and that ain't no shit. No, yeah. He he was doing it right up until the end. What's the what 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 was the most recent one he did? Um, I'd have to look that one. Up. Uh, it, but but he, yeah, but you're right. He was composing right up until he did he did everything. It's insane, everything that he's done. I'm going to go do this on my slow phone. <laughs> do, 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 do. Well, but he, he I, I mean, Untouchables was just, just absolutely one of the most amazing, uh, right. Amazing uh, ones. And um, somewhere Biggs is screaming, Kirsten, you don't answer this. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, while you're looking up that, we also lost Danny Hicks this week. Died at the age of 68. Horror fans especially are affected by this guy. Uh, the Evil Dead 2 and Spider-Man 2. Uh, he was yep. in the past... His passing comes a little less than a month after the uh, genre staple made his stage four cancer diagnosis public. After making his debut in Evil Dead 2's overall clad shotgun wielding Jake, Hicks continued to appear in uh, Raimi projects, including Easy Wheels, Army of Darkness, Darkman, Spider-Man 2, and Oz, Great and Powerful. He also appeared in Wishmaster and alongside Bruce Campbell in works like Maniac Cop, My Name is Bruce, Love Birds, and even Make Love the Bruce Campbell Way. <laughs> and, uh, and this is one of his uh, final quotes to his fans, and it's, it's kind of touching. Uh, he says, quote, But I got to tell you, I sure as hell packed a whole bunch of living into my 68 years, Hicks wrote earlier this month. I got no change coming back, that's for sure. And not too many regrets. Okay, gotta go. I'm gonna find out just what's in the hell is going on down in that fruit cellar. Unquote. So, uh, a fond, fond farewell to uh, Danny Hicks. Yeah. I know we we lost Carl Reiner too last week. Yes. But uh, you know, I I didn't feel sad about it because I mean he was 98. He gave us 70 years worth of material that's almost three lifetimes worth of a normal career for any other person so uh yeah just uh, you know brilliant man brilliant comedian and uh and hugely yeah hugely and i mean just just transformative for like television absolutely uh the sitcom television comedy overall i mean just absolutely Absolutely amazing. I think Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid is still my favorite Carl Reiner film, but yeah, just a huge, huge contribution to cinema. Yeah, I got to say, and television. The jerk in the Steve yeah. Martin oeuvre as well. Everybody likes the jerk. Love I, the jerk. I like the jerk a lot, but there's just something about Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid and that classic, that mix of the classic film genre with new scripted material and blending it together seamlessly. Right. Well, that he, just gets me. Well, he did four of those uh, with uh, Martin, right? He did uh, All of Me. Uh-huh. He did uh, Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid and yep. The Jerk. Yep. And uh, Man with Two Brains. Yes. And each one a different genre of yeah. comedy. That it, I mean, there's, there's the satire of noir. Right. For Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid. Yep. There's the character piece that is The Jerk. Yep. Uh, then you have the over-the-top sci-fi... Oh, uh, man, overture to Man I'm, with Two Brains. I love Man with Two Brains. That that one, I, I that cracks me up every time I see it. And so much of it is dated now, but the comedy is still spot on. And then the same with the uh, the zany physical comedy of all of me. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, Carl Reiner, amazing, amazing guy. <clears throat> My God. So farewell, Carl Reiner, and thank you for all that you gave us. Holy crap. What? I don't know. Did they use his stuff? Because he's got credits for like The Simpsons. This is Morricone. Yeah. Uh, the Simpsons, Curb well, Your Enthusiasm. Well, anytime they would use a sting from one of his his songs, yeah, I'm sure that's he's what it credited. Comes down to. So that's what that is? I know The Simpsons used right. the uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly sting right. in there. Uh, he uh, he's referenced apparently in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. Uh, TV series Homecoming. 
It's it's a 2018 um, train right, train yard dogs. It's wow. He's did he did a lot of a lot of uh, little TV things as well. So I'm not. It's, can, it's hard to tell what is new work and what's referenced old work. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. But um, man, he's just what a what a king. I. Yeah. Yeah. With that one, you almost need to go to his Wikipedia page to to because IMDb, as good as it is, doesn't always separate. Like we were saying, yeah. you know, if, his, if, if if a piece of his work is used in right. the production of a well, another that, movie well, or a television, series. that would actually also make sense to let you know when it's been used. Right. But his his composer credits were yeah. over five hundred. Uh, yeah, five hundred, and then his soundtrack credits were three hundred forty four. That's just. God bless you. And Reiner, you know the the big thing with Reiner with me, actually, and I just read a read something in reference to it. I was like, oh, I wonder how Mel Brooks feels. And uh, apparently, uh, Max Brooks had actually uh, uh, mentioned in an interview that uh, his his dad's uh, taking it kind of hard. I imagine so. They were comedy partners for so long. They knew each yeah. other for seventy years. Yeah, yeah. I I just can't even fathom i mean i know knowing yeah. knowing torgo for 70 years oh i wouldn't do it <laughs> yeah not to mention the fact that you know you'd go first because he'll he'll stab you in the back yeah, eventually uh-huh. take you right out yeah. <laughs> everybody i know eventually becomes our tax <laughs> yeah uh, there's todd mel brooks don't had, be sad don't be sad mel brooks had a nice little um little tribute to him that got put up on on uh-huh. twitter um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I heard that he's taking it hard and oh, it's, it's understandable. I mean, these guys, they were hanging out like the day before. Yeah. Like they were together yeah. spending time together the day before he passed. Man. But at least he, he had something amazing. Yeah. It's like, I look at that having just celebrated my 54th birthday and it's like, even if I start tomorrow, I couldn't have a career like that because I'd have to live to 120. But I mean, <laughs> get can to you work. Imagine still still being able to be that active. Yeah. At at 98. That's the other thing, right? You see, you see some of those pictures of some of the older, yeah, the older, and they're in like those wheelchairs, and you know, like like some of the uh, the older actors who will show up at Trek. They're you know they're really old. They're they're getting yeah. on, and they're just like bent over in the wheelchairs and they're just you know you you you, you're waiting to hear the darth vader respirator or something like that and then reiner and brooks those bastards are uh, dancing right up to literally like you said the day before yeah something like we should be so like one of the last things he did was have a hot dog and and uh yeah it was just i want to go they you know they (laughs) They were talking about it was like he had a hot dog and a nice time and 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 wow. a nice walk and talking. I'm just right, like right. wow, like right the day before yeah. you pass away, and yeah, swamps of sadness come for us all, people. Yeah, that's that's a way to live a life, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. God bless him. Thank you, Carl. Yeah. Yep. Concourse Media is releasing board game documentary Game Master. 
The feature offers a deep dive into the world of the thriving board game industry and the creators behind popular games. The board game business is booming and has seen major resurgence in the recent years. Contributing to the renaissance are first-time game designers creating their own original board games and financing them through crowdfunding platforms like Kickstarter and subsequently partnering with major manufacturers and retail distributors. From concept to shelf, Game Master follows the board game industry as a whole and zooms in more closely on five board game designers who have shown success or trying to break through. Creators such as Klaus Tiber, the guy that created Settlers of Catan, uh, Matt Leacock, who did Pandemic, Elon <laughs> Lee, Exploding Kittens, share their stories of how they turn their visions into reality. Uh, Director Maroons stated, quote, our main cast of first-time designers created games that were very personal to them, specific to who they were as people and artists. From escaping arranged marriages or surviving near-death experiences, the sheer act of making board games helped them reconcile with their world. Wow. Right? Game Master isn't just about board games, but how creation can unite and save us all, unquote. There you go, Todd. You need hmm. to make a board game. Uh yeah. Come on. Backstab by Master Torgo. <laughs> Everyone's a horse and they have to race across a swamp. <laughs> uh, Game Master goes straight to video on demand on July 7th. So uh, when this uh, podcast drops, it should be available. So There you go. Very cool. Go ahead and Watch check it, it out. And, 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 and realize your dreams. Yes. Uh, People embrace and enjoy your dreams. There you go. How would we do a, what, what would the Geek Shock board game be like? Oh my goodness. Well, I think it is, I, it's got to be a, you remember the video game called Kaboom? Yeah. With Atari yes. 2600, yeah. where there is a guy on the top of the wall dropping bombs and you have a bucket of water underneath and you're trying to just catch it. I, I think it's a board game version of that, except it's a tripping Andy and you're trying to catch the spills <laughs> from getting on the carpet. Hmm. We could do it. It's, it's kind of like don't wake daddy except yeah. catch daddy's spills. Pick, pick up sticks <laughs> or like a shoots and ladders type of we just you set up stuff on the board and Andy's piece is going around knocking it all over. So it's yeah. not running around with like a giant pillow for when Andy trips to make sure that he is cradled when he falls and not just splitting his skull wide open on the cement. No. Right. Oh, right. Exactly. The, the empty cup. But there's a, one person who is the uh, trader who then gets to splash water in somebody's face. That's uh, well. That, that's the. That's that that's makes the torgo. it. It's yeah. not the trader. It's the torgo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah that's what it is. Yeah. You flip over the torgo. <laughs> Call it what it is. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Don't sugarcoat it. <laughs> What's with all this PC stuff? <laughs> oh, let's do some. Red light, green light. Whoa. What? Yeah. We yeah. got some stuff piling up. Well, yeah. All right. We, we, we did a really good job for a little while there, and we, I would say we got through about three quarters of the ones that I had. Uh, but now I'm back to three pages full, and that's just of what I printed. Oh. Uh -huh. All right. So there's, there's more than that. Okay, Jeff, lightning round. Nope. Let's crank the... <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> They will, they will come as they come. So here we <laughs> are, gentlemen. You would have to have Torgo figure out a way to really ultra-compress the, the pitches. Like, um, this isn't this the elevator pitch. This is like the, uh, you know, the uh, electric scooter pitch. Yeah. Like, you got to catch me before I get across yeah. this. <laughs> the transporter pitch. It's the horse in the swamps pitch. It just slowly <laughs> sinks oh, God. over time. And there's nothing wow. you can do about it. Fight the sadness, Artax. Fight it. Um, 
Yeah. All right, here we go. Mm. We got a bunch of pitches here. Gentlemen, do we want to throw a hard-earned money behind this stuff? Yes. Yeah, we do. Let's, uh, let's find out. Blanket oh. green light. All right, here we go. First red light, green light. Uh, NBC placed a pilot order for a TV show based around Robert Langdon. The main character of Dan Brown's best-selling novels like Angels and Demons and The Da Vinci Code. Uh, Dan Dworkin and Jay, uh, Jay Betty, who did MTV's Scream and ABC's Revenge and NBC's The Event, they're all over the place, are writing the script and executive producing the show for CBS. Uh, Brown is executive producing the project, which is currently titled Langdon, and based on the third book in the series, The Lost Symbol. The plot will follow the Harvard professor's early adventures as he solves, quote, a series of deadly puzzles to save a kidnapped mentor and thwart a global conspiracy, unquote. Each book in the series takes a deep dive into history and religion before revealing a twist, and some of them are sci-fi in nature. Aside from Angels and Demons, The Da Vinci Code, The Lost Symbol, Langdon also appeared in two other sequels, Inferno and Origin. Tom Hanks played the character in director Ron Howard's live-action film adaptation of Angels, Da Vinci, and Inferno. Howard will also produce the potential TV show. So, do you want to see some more Da Vinci Code in TV series form? Red light, green light. I think there's plenty of stories that can be told with the Langdon character. It's... I, I enjoyed the movies. Um, I, I only read Da Vinci Code. I didn't read any of the other. But uh, I really liked that kind of modern day, you know, discovery of things, you know, because he's, he's not really an archaeologist, but it kind of plays into that whole Indiana Jones It kind of does, where it's, it's we're delving into ancient history and especially ancient art and architecture yep. and finding hidden codes and conspiracies within yeah. it, speaking to secret players who are who are quietly doing things under the right. surface. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a green light. Yeah, I'd love to give it a shot. I'll green light because I think there's an audience for it. <clears throat> I'm not big on, I'm not big on them myself, but I think there's plenty who would watch it. Sure. I, I, I remember reading Angels and Demons way back and enjoying it. I mean, it was kind of weird that a guy fell out of the helicopter and just plain survived. But aside from that, yeah, the, the whole code kind of thing and, and taking the history that we know and then turning it into something new that is like, oh, it didn't work this way. It actually was this. Um, and that's, that's kind of fun. Uh, it's, uh, the, the only thing that drives me nuts is when people believe the shit. Yeah. It's like, oh, yes, that, that Robert Lang, that story, that's how it really happened. No, it's, it, it's, it's fun fiction, and it's, it's fun to play that, yes, that there is this whole big thing happening underneath, and uh, we are just small ants in a large player's world, but no. <laughs> but I have to green light it, too, just because I agree with Kay in the fact that I think there is a good audience for it. It's established. The books are good selling. The movies did very, very well. And so, yeah. Yeah. You know, and Tom Hanks can use the work. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> that, 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 he just got over COVID. He needs some help. Yeah. Um, the uh, National Treasure is kind of along that same yeah. line. Yeah. It's kind of very Americanized version of this sure. stuff. Yeah. So if you like National Treasure, it's, I think th those fans will be Which didn't we too. green light a series on that too? Yes, yeah. we did. We yeah. absolutely did. And I still got to see those so, things. So yeah, we're, we're, we're par for the course then. So there <laughs> we go. Some money going to uh, Langdon. That works. That was easy. All right, let's see what else we got here. Told you. Red light, green light. D-A-R-Y-L. Daryl. 
That stands for Data Analyzing Robot Youth Lifeform is a 1985 science fiction movie about an advanced robot who looked like a real 10-year-old boy, coincidentally starring the same kid that played Bastion in NeverEnding yep. Story. And I actually knew what the acronym meant before you said it, too. Of course, because you're, you're 80s <laughs> Jeff. This is, this is a given. <laughs> TBS has a TV sequel series to Daryl in the works. Uh, TBS general manager Brett Weitz told The Hollywood Reporter that the planned scripted original series will feature Tony Hale, a two-time Emmy Award winner for his performance as Gary Walsh on HBO's Veep. Uh, the new series picks up where the movie left off. Quote, what if a top-secret 10-year-old human weapon grew up to be a 44-year-old guy just trying to keep up with a world that he has never been designed for? Read the log line. Quote, continuing the quote, And what if the story morphed from an 80s sci-fi adventure movie about a child with a computer in his skull into a single-camera comedy starring Tony Hale? The boy everyone wanted has become the no man that no one needs in the TV adaptation nobody asked for, unquote. <laughs> that's part, really? That's part of the log line. That's, that's, that's what it said. So it's it's a sequel, but it's like a parody sequel. Is Kinda, what I'm yeah. So it's far. like what if you extrapolated Daryl yeah. when he grew up and nobody needs him? Okay. Uh, so if you're not familiar with the original Daryl, uh, gifted with computational and reflexive powers out of the reach of humans, the government-created AI boy loses his memory following a helicopter crash, piecing together his uniqueness with his human hosts after his abilities come to light while living with foster parents in a small town. So do we want to put money behind a sequel to 1985's not-so-smash-hit Daryl? Hmm. It's an interesting... This is a conundrum. Yeah. I mean, there's some interesting stuff in the pitch as far as the putting it on its head. The I mean, not with this because that wasn't so we don't and therefore no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, because sometimes that premise works like you get your, your Brady Bunch movies, you get your... Um, you know, 21 and 22 Jump Street. So. Yeah, but, yeah, but those, so sometimes those this, work. Sure, but, but those are based on popular properties. Right. Yeah, but this, well, no, because this actually has the interesting conceit of he's he's an adult now. Yeah. And in fact, he's middle-aged. So you're, you're in middle-aged is uh, something to comment on when you talk about uh, uselessness, obsolescence. Well, I've got to even think just the advances in computer technology. The computer in his brain's got to be, you know, there decades. You go. There you go. He's behind like, the curve. He's like he's like uh, Todd's uh, uh, Apple tablet. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> out of warranty. I want to. I want to see that moment when he uh, when he upgrades Twitch in his head and and it just doesn't work anymore. Fine point. So, you know. So I think that I think that there's there's stuff there that you can uh, you can actually go into. Yeah. So green light. Yeah. There's potential. I, I'd give it a green light too. I'm green lighting it because this is the show I never realized I wanted to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's it's. it's it's like small wonder grown up. <laughs> no, it is nothing like that at all. How dare you? That show should be burned alive. I know. It's it's awful. That that's now that show des deserves some R tax treatments. Drown in the God. swamp of sadness fucking show. If um, anybody out there, like our younger audience, doesn't know what I'm talking about, find find a few clips on YouTube no. and see just Save how yourself. terrible it is. No, don't do it. It's bad. Small wonder is uh <laughs> Paul used to go off on Small Wonder yes, on the show did. way back when. Um, 
When I saw, though, that Daryl is getting a TV sequel, immediately my head's like, fuck this. But this pitch, and, and just because in the pitch itself, they put in the TV adaptation no one asked for. Yeah. That kind of tells me the tone they're taking. Self-referential right, right there. Yeah. yeah so they, they know I, themselves. So just that in the log gives gives me the yes i want a green light because if he's if he is that older technology it's really funny you think about it if he is that older technology right just yeah. grown up a 10 year old with a smartphone <laughs> has got more computing power than he will <laughs> you imagine him trying to tutor his kids in math and, oh then, and they're like no dad look and they punched into a smartphone yeah, and they completely well, you know, beat him to the punch we'll see where they go <laughs> yeah it, i think actually yeah all right. It's got potential. I mean, it could be hor- it could be horrible, yeah, but like well, you said, you know. I think it's self-referential in its its pitch there. So yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what they do with it. I am kind of curious as to how that meeting did go, as far as yeah, right. we, we, the, the actual pitch meeting. Mm-hmm. No, no, listen, hear hear me out. A sequel to Daryl. <laughs> Well, yeah. And these execs that are like, the what now? We didn't ask for this. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. It's like, you get it. You get it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's sort of like that, that Masters of the Universe uh, uh, pitch thing where, you know, have we, you know, yeah, uh, you know, you haven't asked for that. Exactly. Have we told you about uh, he's middle aged and obsolete? <clears throat> All right. So next one red yeah. light, green light. Oh. Captured, a TV series based on a famous UFO abduction case from the early 1960s is in the works from Stellar Productions and Alta Global Media. The project is inspired by Stanton T. Friedman and Kathleen Martin's 2007 book, also called Captured, the Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience, colon, the true story of the world's first documented alien abduction. The Hills alleged that they were abducted by an alien craft in September in 1961. Their story gained widespread attention and led to a TV movie in the mid-70s. Stella Bryce's and Jackie Isabel, known for writing Hallmark's Pandemic series in 2007, are writing and producing. Uh, given that Betty and Barney were an interracial couple in the time when such marriages were persecuted in American society, the show intends to explore topical themes of skin color and the fight for equality against the backdrop of the UFO central case. Quote, I was fascinated by the Zabel's take on the extraordinary story as it represents the convergence of the civil rights and Cold War eras and the first reported alien abduction, Steve Adams of Alta Global said in a statement. Continuing, these elements were not... Uh, These elements not only lend themselves to a fascinating look at America, but also offer a startling counterpoint with Barney's observation that while America judged and oppressed him on the basis of his skin color, aliens saw him as only human, unquote. Seibel said that the Hills, quote, should be seen not just as abduction victims, but also as heroes in the civil rights movement, unquote. Captured. That's a a lot going on in that pitch. I'd almost say it's too much. The uh, I, I did back in the days when I believed in all the uh, uh, the alien abduction the alien stuff. abduction stuff and the, the Bigfoot stuff and I'd read every single book in the library having to do about it. I became really well acquainted with the uh, with the Hills story, right? And they they are kind of the basis of what we see an abduction story. That's right. 
the abduction story you know now is because of this right here. Uh, do I believe it happened? No, I don't. I don't believe it, that in alien abductions. But it is interesting that they're mixing in the whole interracial aspect of it and the civil rights aspect of it. I honestly don't know what to think of this one. Yeah, I... Hmm. Because, I mean, haven't they debunked most of their stories? Like, there's the... Most of the elements, rather, of their story, like, over the years. I mean, it's like, whether I, you believe it or not, there's... there. I remember there has been... They have been the subject of investigative um, programs where they say, you know, this is, this is their statement as to what happened and this is what happened on that particular night and there's just no way this could happen so i mean i haven't researched a whole lot into the debunking of the hills story uh since i kind of got out of the whole uh this this stuff is nothing but uh, i don't know what do you what do you guys think of this i'm leaning towards red light just because i think they're trying to do too much just based on that pitch like so much so that it's going to be hard to capture an audience when they don't know what the show is about. You know, you think you're there to watch an alien abduction movie, but it's also a morality play, but it's also a, you know, the, the, the 10 other things that you said in the pitch there. So I'm just, I'm, I think I'm, I'm, yeah, I think I'm going to go red light. On yeah. This. I'm leaning red for the same reason. There's a lot there. There is. And, and my concern is that, they're going to take the tact. Oh, the reason that people didn't believe them is because of how America treated interracial couples right. at the time. And that's, and that's the, the real crime is why they weren't believed yeah. instead of they, they weren't believed because it probably didn't happen. But yeah, I don't know. I don't care much for alien abduction stories anymore. Oh, wow. As, uh, is, I mean, yeah, fictionalize it all you want and then, then go nuts. I'm all for that. That's right. a, it's a fun trope. Uh, but when you treat the stuff as real, uh, I'm no longer sold on that kind of stuff. And I haven't seen anything to sell me on it since. Right. So I, I don't like perpetuating the idea that, no, aliens are coming down and poking people's butts. You better watch out. I don't, <laughs> I don't like that, the perpetuation of that anymore. So I, I, for that reason alone, I think I have to red light it. And I think it's an interesting take that they're doing with that. And I think it makes it more watchable because of the civil rights aspect that I would be a little more curious to watch it because of it. But ultimately it comes down to a uh, married couple says aliens took them away and that, and based on a true story. And no, that's, that's not what I want. Now, if you do like, like fire in the sky. Yeah. In fire there, in the sky. Yeah. That's, that's another one that they've, like thoroughly debunked. Yeah. And uh, scary special effects stuff. The movie's worthwhile for about five minutes of movie. Yeah. And the rest of the movie is absolutely bunk to watch. But yeah. Uh, all or nothing as far as alien invasion stuff goes. I, I just can't get behind the true story. Yeah. Let's see. Do we have time for one more? Yes. So one two, more. Two green and one red so far? Two green, one red. Right. And we haven't red lit one in a while. Uh, yeah, so, it's been a while. Yeah. So let's, uh, yeah. So it's good that we're finally tightening the purse strings. We don't have the money we had before. 
Well, you know, that whole COVID thing, we've had to tighten our belts. Oh, boy, tell me about it, except for the, the, the takeout pizza, i got to tell you. Yeah. Hey, that's nothing yeah. tightening that belt. My oh. bonus was only three quarters of what it should have been this quarter. My bonus was a slab of pepperoni, and I couldn't be happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. Red light, green light. Grady Hendrix's novel, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires has been scooped up for adaptation with Patrick Moran's PKM Productions, picking up the rights to the novel as part of an overall deal inked with Amazon Studios. The plan is to turn the novel into a series for Amazon. Uh, Deadline details, quote, the character-driven supernatural thriller is set in Charleston in the 1990s and revolves around the woman's book club that must protect its suburban community from a mysterious and handsome stranger who turns out to be a real monster, unquote. Here's the full plot rundown for the book itself. Housewife Patricia Campbell's life has never felt smaller. The one thing she has to look forward to is her book club, a close-knit group of Charleston women united by the love of true crime and paperback fiction. At these meetings, they're as likely to talk about the Manson family murders as they are to discuss marriage, motherhood, and neighborhood gossip. The predictable pattern is upended when Patricia meets James Harris. Huh. I wonder if it's a relation. A handsome stranger who moves into the neighborhood to take care of his elderly aunt and ends up joining the book club. James is sensitive and well-read, and he makes Patricia feel things she hasn't felt in 20 years. But there's something off about him. When local children go missing, Patricia and the book club members start to suspect James is more of a Bundy than a beatnik, and no one outside the book club believes them. Have they read too many true crime books, or have they invited a monster into their homes. Gentlemen, the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Red light, green light. Mm. Red light. Talk yeah. to me. I just, I know it's, it, it, I know there's, it's not Suki Stackhouse, but I'm. You're getting that vibe. I'm just, uh, the South, vampires. It's mostly the vampires thing. You still and, got the vampire uh, well, a little, fatigue? Well, a little fatigue. It's like, you know, if you're going to do vampires, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather see something um, underworldish, you know, just, just like more over the top. A little more the, white wolf than... Yeah, I just... White knight in Joins Book Club. Yeah, I'm just, nah. I don't, yeah. Slice of life and, oh, there's a vampire in this. Nah. It has... It has the feel of like an adult version of Monster Squad. Like it's like it's like they're a book <laughs> they're a okay, book club yeah. and they've studied it and they're like, oh, I, we know what this is, but we can't get anybody to believe us. That's, that's very true. I, I will say what it does have going for it is Grady Hendrix. I'm a fan of his work. He did My Best Friend's Exorcist that we read for the book club. He did Horror Store, which was one of my favorite books that I read that year about the haunted IKEA. Um, so his, he's got a really good comedy horror edge overall, which keeps the horror elements, but also is able to infuse comedy without taking away the edge. So I, I haven't read the book, so I can't speak to whether this is as good as his other ones. I will say I also have a bit of vampire fatigue, so it's one I'll eventually get around to, but not one I'm actively seeking out. Uh, and as much as it pains me because I'm a Grady Hendrix fan, I've, I've got to so kind of 
red-lighted on the same grounds. Although, I will say, Jeff, the, the fact that you've kind of framed it in that whole monster squad kind of aspect did bring it up some points that I'm, I'm kind of closer to the fence than I was. Yeah. I mean, I'm still, you know, even having said that, I think they're definitely leaning more red light. Right. So I'm seeing kind of a steel magnolias with a vampire. You know? Yeah. So now that I could, you know, <laughs> Shirley MacLaine getting all vampire and stuff. That's, you know, that's kind of cool. Olympia Dukakis and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I kind of like that. <laughs> So as a red from you, Jeff. Yeah. Okay. So you know, another wow. red light, two red lights. Wow, we're two for two today. Yeah, how do you like that? Uh, what did you think? Write to us, comments at uglycouchshow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Fatigued K. And we'll talk to you <laughs> next week in Geek. Fight the sadness, K. Fight it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>